Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Oh Lord, we come to you this morning and we humble ourselves. We get on our knees and we worship you. For you are the mighty king. You are the Holy One. Lord, I pray this morning that as we think about this new year, this new start, this exciting new time, that you would heal our wounds from the past, that you would heal our wounds from the past year, Lord, that we would move forward and that we would grow stronger. Lord, that you would challenge us in our faith, that you would stretch us, move us from where we are. Lord, remove those branches that are dead wood. Allow the fruit to grow bigger and stronger and more evident in our life, that we might grow closer to you. In your name we pray. Amen. This morning's passage is from John chapter 4, verses 20 through 26, and I want to give you a little bit of a background. John 4 is uh, when Jesus talks to the Samaritan woman at the well. Uh, there's a lot of reading there, and there's a lot, and I know you, most of you would know that, that story where Jesus rolls into Samaria, Samaria, and he sits down next to the well. He's tired, it says. He's wore out. It's high noon. He's thirsty. And all the disciples went for food. And he's there all by himself. And this woman comes. And he says, he asks her, can I have a drink? And she says, why are you even talking to me? I'm a Samaritan. You're a Jew. Uh, we don't, you're, you're crossing a line that's really not to be crossed. And uh, Jesus ends up telling her, I have water that is eternal water. And she thinks right off the bat, yeah, give me that. I won't have to come back here, right? I, just, I won't have to meet with people who are going to ridicule me and question me and talk about my past. And then he says, Where's, go get your husband and we'll talk about this and Of course, her past comes up. But at the end of the story, they begin to talk about what could be new, what is new. She tries to change the subject. She says uh, in verse 20, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you not, do not know. We worship what we do know. We worship what we know, for the salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and has now come, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he'll explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I am. I who, I who speak to you am he. May God add his blessing to the reading this morning. And as we we sing, take me in this morning, I'd ask that you prepare your hearts uh, to sit around the communion table. We are on a roll. I'm almost scared. 
The videos worked. PowerPoint might work. Uh, no, I got that figured out. We got till noon, right? I don't see a problem. The only, there is one problem. Kenny's not here. Oh, there you are. <laughs> Something new. <laughs> Something new, huh, Kenny? Kenny has moved to the back. Now you're going to have to be louder if you're going to harass me, though. <laughs> All right. Thanks, bud. <laughs> I would expect none less. Nothing less. So it's 2017, and I want to know. I don't, I'm not, don't worry. I'm not going to ask you for specifics. I just want to know if you made a New Year's resolution. I will not call you out, I promise. I just want to know. I'm curious what kind of percentage of people who come to Greenfield Baptist on New Year's Day uh, made a resolution. It's okay. You can raise your hand. The people next to you, even though they don't know you, they won't judge you, I promise. Did anybody? Ah, good, good. At least a few, good. See, a few, we have some. It is. It happens every year, Mike. <laughs> so I have a New Year's... Re- so most of you didn't, as, or you're just not going to raise your hand. You're not going to be participating. I don't know that works. So I have one for you. I'm going to suggest this morning that you get rid of your old faith and that you get a new one. Get rid of your old faith and get a new one. Now, before you throw tomatoes or... I'm glad it's the winter. We don't have tomatoes, right? There's no tomatoes out there. Or hymnals or anything else. Hear me out. Get rid of your old faith and get a new one. See, the passage that we are looking at this morning, this woman has had a pretty rough life. Some of it, obviously, from consequences that she, bad decisions she made. She had a faith in her idea, in her mind, but it was an old faith. And as Jesus is talking to her, he says, she's like, well, you guys say that we, should, uh, we have to worship at Jerusalem, at the temple, and we have this mountains over here. And so, and she's try, obviously, she's trying to change the subject, right, because he's starting to get a little close to where it hurts. So she wants to change the subject. And he says, listen, woman, pretty soon it's not going to matter. Pretty soon... It's not going to matter where you worship. You're going to be worshiping in a different way. See, I think she wanted a new faith. But she had been beaten down by her community, by the, the mistakes that she had made, made in life. I mean, it says, you know, we always we have heard the commentaries on this, that she showed up at high noon for one reason. There would be no one else there. She expected that she would be the only person at that well. So she wouldn't have to deal with those people who had ridiculed her, who had picked on her, who had put her down. And as you, if you read the story, you realize that she, she knew something. She knew that this Jesus guy was a prophet. So, so to me, she, she had a, an understanding of religion of some sort, of faith of some sort. But Jesus says, listen, it's time to trim out the old. He says, believe me, woman, the time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans have worshipped what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. The historical context is 
that worship was really confined to one area. They would have to go to the temple. Samaritans went to the mountain. The Greenfield Baptist people went to Greenfield Baptist on Williams Road. I hope that's not the case. We're going to talk about that a little bit this morning, right? One of the things that happens in this passage is that Jesus foreshadows what's going to happen. Things are about to change. The way you worship is not going to be like it has been. There's going to be something new in your life. For some of us, 2016 was a rough year, and we're more than happy to get into 2017 and start anew. For some of us, we're in that big rut, and change is a scary thing. Change is scary. But the reality is that isn't life full of change. My favorite, one of my favorite quotes is that the only thing that stays the same is change. The older I get, the less I like that, that, that idea. Change is a part of who we are. And change should be a part of our faith. I've said it a, a zillion times, and, I, and if your faith is exactly the same as it was 20 years ago, there's something wrong. Because you've got to ask yourself, where's the spirit leading in that if it hasn't changed in 20 years? It's gotten pretty stale. When you look at Scripture and you, and you realize that the Word of God divides bone and marrow, it's alive and active. It doesn't line up with a, a faith that's 20 years old that I haven't changed in 20 years. And that's what's going on with this lady. She knows about faith, but it's not a real faith. Oops, wrong one, sorry. John 15 talks about being a part of the vine. I love this passage. It says, I, Jesus says, I am the true vine. And my father is a gardener. Every branch that does not bear fruit, that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. He trims off the dead wood. Now, I will tell you right now that I am not an expert in trimming apples or grapes or any other thing. But I do know this. If you don't trim anything, it just gets worse. The next year will be less fruit, smaller fruit. The next year will be less fruit, smaller fruit. The next year you probably don't have any fruit, right? I don't know if you've ever, if you're from the neighborhood, you've been down by Birches or in the Northeast, you see those trees that they will be getting probably any time now, getting after with what looks like a chainsaw machine. I don't even know what it is. And they will trim those things off so that they look like they're dead. They look like there's, there's nothing left. I always, when I drive by, I think, how could there even be anything left to grow an apple on that tree? If you haven't seen that, take a, take a ride just in spring, before the, before the green comes out and the leaves come out, take a look at those trees. And, you'll, and you will ask yourself, I ask myself, where can an apple come from? There's nothing but this big chunks of wood. And yet, if you drive by there come September, you'll be amazed. That tree is so full of red apples that it's hanging to the ground. And so it is in our own life. We need to trim the dead fruit, the dead branches that are a part of our life. We got to get rid of the stuff that's just old and ritualistic. And I want to challenge you this morning to think just for a moment about the ritualistic things that you do on a daily basis. 
that's not true worship of God. We just do it because we do it, right? I have some examples I'll give you in a few minutes, but I, want, I just want to put that into your mind. I want you to think about those ritualistic things, the things I do because I've done it for 10 years. Maybe I go to the same Sunday school because it's the easiest class to find. And I want to challenge you to think about that and ask God, seek God in what Sunday school you should be in. Or maybe it's way easier just to sneak out and not be involved in any Sunday school. Or not be involved in a small group or not create a small group. Things to think about for 2017. Jesus tells her, You need to worship in spirit and in truth. God wants true worshipers, worshipers of him. True worship, not ritualistic, mechanical worship, but heartfelt worship. There was a sacrifice given. We we sat at the table this morning, and there was a sacrifice given for you, for each one of us. See, she was stuck on, what are we going to do? We've got to go to the mountain if we're going to worship. And Jesus says, wait a minute, things are about to change, and that won't be where you worship. And it's going to be okay. I appreciate those who didn't sit in the same spot they always sit in, maybe because they couldn't. But that's okay too, right? That's something new. I want to encourage you to think about how to worship in spirit and in truth. See, spirit, pure spiritual worship is worship of God. Not the things of God, not the stuff of God, not the blessings of God, but God himself for that sacrifice of sending Jesus to the cross. That's the worship he desires. I was told this this week that I was reminded this week by someone who said, you know, you can go and worship God and there's all kinds of gods, and we'll all get to the same spot. And I want to I make one statement very plain this morning. That is not what Scripture says. That is not what it says. And I want to challenge you, if you think that you can find another god, and it'll take you to the same place that my Jesus will take me, I challenge you to, to read John 14, 6. Because Jesus stands up, and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to me but through the Father. And if you don't remember, they tried to stone him. They tried to kill him for what he said. There are not many ways to God. It is not the same God. It's the lie that this world tells us. Just pick a religion and ride on that trail because they all end at the same spot. That's not what Scripture says. That is not the truth. When Jesus says, I want you to worship in spirit and in truth, that is not the truth. It says that the narrow is the way. Narrow is that path. And wide is the road to destruction. We don't want to hear that if we struggle with that idea that, well, you know, I don't want to offend someone's other, someone else's faith. I don't want that person to go to hell because I didn't tell them the truth either. a great example of not 
worshiping in spirit and truth. There are times when we say grace, and I'm just as guilty as anyone, that we mean nothing of it. We're sitting down with other church people and we think, you know what, this is what church people do. So we say grace. That's what we do. We're not really worshiping God or thankful for our meal. We're afraid that someone might be offended if we didn't say grace before we ate that meal. And I want to challenge you this morning in just those ways. That's just one great little example. There are all these places in our lives where we just do things because we do them. And I want to challenge you to look at those pieces in your life and say, wait a minute, am I saying grace because it's what my friends or my kids are home and I don't want them to think I'm not holy enough, so we're going to do this. By the way, I will honestly say that I have done that, so I'm not pointing fingers except at myself. Are you truly worship, worshiping in spirit and in truth? See, there's a scripture, and I don't know if we can, uh, I guess we can read it. I can barely read it. Sorry. It says, in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful and arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful and unholy, unloving, irreconcilable and malicious, gossips without self-control, brutal haters of good. We're getting to the good part. Hold on. Treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of good, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such men as these. Holding to a form of godliness, but denying its power. Ouch. So I have a question. What's going to be new in 2017? What are you going to do that's different in 2017 with your faith? As I said, there are electives. I'm excited that we have electives. That's a great thing. Take advantage of those. Those are opportunities. Yes, it's going to be scary. There's going to be people in that class you do not know. And they may have stronger faith than you. They may have weaker faith than you. You may be able to encourage them. They may be able to encourage you. It may be scary. It's okay. If, you're, if you need a different Sunday school class, jump ship. That's one of my favorite things about this place. You can move from a Sunday school class to another Sunday school class, and it's just so smooth. And, and there's no excuse because there's lots of them. More than I've ever seen anywhere else in my life. 2017 has a lot to offer. Let me give you an example. You can start your own ministry, your own small group. I always tease my Sunday school class about my texting ministry. I think it's awesome. And I'll challenge you to think about this. If God brings someone's name to your mind and you have a phone and you're able to text, which I know you all are, you're capable. Well, there might be a few of you. But, you know, we could have a a Sunday school elective to teach you how to text, I guess. I like this idea. I got a, I got a 20-something that would love to teach it, right? <laughs> if, that pers- if God brings someone to your mind, do you think that's an absolute coincidence? I have had opportunities where I had no clue. Someone came to mind. I texted that person, and, you know, and I said, I prayed for them, and then I texted them. Prayed for you, had no clue why. Let it rip. Just let it text it go out. You will not believe how God uses those simple things. 
You don't even have to talk to them face-to-face if you're a chicken, you know? You can just text them. God uses those things. I promise you this. There are very few people in the whole wide world who don't want someone to pray for them. You might find a few, but they're gonna, I guarantee you could do it every day of the year, and you would find less than enough for one hand. I promise you that. There's a ministry in this church, and you probably have no idea. I don't know where my bulletin went. Anyway, on the back of the bulletin, there's names. I don't know if you ever noticed that. Some of you are probably reading, pray for those people faithfully. I would encourage you to pray for those people. There's a ministry in this church that takes bulletins, highlights the person's name, says, we are praying for you, puts it in an envelope and sends it to that person to encourage them. A lot of the people on the back of that are not members of Greenfield Baptist Church. They, may, they have connections. That's an awesome ministry to me because it reaches out to people that we don't normally talk to or see. It's not in our four walls. I want to encourage you to think about ways to be connected. I, Julie's Bible study, uh, it has a lot to do with finding those things, those, those niches in your life where God wants to use you and you still don't feel comfortable or understand exactly how he's going to use you. See, I don't think God's done with us. And this lady, the, the woman at the well, he wasn't done with her either. She pretty much thought her life was over. She did have a little hope, right? She said, well, I know you're a prophet. That's cool. But when Jesus comes, <laughs> when the Messiah comes, he'll figure, he'll tell us what's going on. Finally, and hopefully, this new faith will stretch you. See, at first she missed it. She missed it. She didn't even see that that was Jesus in front of her. I'm not sure if I would have seen that it was Jesus in front of me. It's kind of like when someone tells you something, like your parents tell you, don't do that, and they try to tell you because they know better, right? But sometimes we have to learn from experience. Couldn't see the forest through the woods. Hey, they weren't young people like you. Ouch. <laughs> I don't know. I know as I get older, I don't like to be stretched nearly as much. And yet, God wants us to be stretched. He doesn't want the same old, same old, same old, same old, same old. He doesn't want that for our lives. He wants to trim off the old wood so that the fruit will be more evident, will be bigger. It's kind of hard to be stretched. We feel like a rubber band, right? Oh, I don't want to be, I don't want to go there. I have an illustration this morning that I want to share, you, share with you. And, oh, man, Lord, I pray that this video actually works. <laughs> we will be on a roll if it does. Um, but before we start that video, I want to, I want to as you watch this video, um, for those of you who have lost someone in 2016, the very beginning may be a little bit challenging, maybe about 10 to 15 seconds. But I want you, as you watch this video, to see what Dan Peterson, he's, that's, that's who's on it, the last line he says. I want you to hold on, listen to the story, and listen to what he has to say right at the end. Ready? 
Finally tonight, how can you mend a broken heart? Tough question. At least we know where it can happen. Here's Steve Hartman on the road. Not long ago, in a cemetery outside Augusta, Georgia, a loving couple was buried. The wife buried below this white bouquet. The husband buried above in a mound of grief. Took me totally by surprise. 82-year-old Dan Peterson says after Mary died, he fell into a deep depression. Spent days just staring out at the squirrels. What were you living for? I was trying to figure that out, frankly. You had no purpose? No. Were you just waiting to die? Yeah. For six months, it was just that bad. And then one day you go to a grocery store. <laughs> it all changed inside this Publix. Dan was nearing the end of the canned vegetable aisle. He hates grocery shopping, and by all accounts, the expression on his face confirmed his aggravation. But that's when this unapproachable man was approached by a four-year-old girl named Nora Wood. In the security footage, you can see Nora randomly reaching out to him. Her mom, Tara, says it was quite embarrassing. She said, hi, old person. It's my birthday today. Old person? Old person. Hi, old person. She says this to this cranky old man? Yeah. And then had the audacity to demand a hug. I said, a hug? I said, absolutely. <laughs> Nora got her hug and then asked her mom to take a picture of her with her new friend. She zeroed in on him like a missile. And she didn't want anything from him. She just wanted to make him feel loved and give him a hug. And his little lip quivered and he was teared up and it was just sweet. And I said, you don't know. This is the first time for quite a while that I've been as happy. That all happened a couple months ago, and his grin has only gotten wider since. Hi, sweetheart. Come in. Come in. Today, Nora visits at least once a week. So how's my sweetie, huh? And every time, it's the grocery store all over again. I knew I was going to get a hook. <laughs> oh, it's unbelievable. Totally unbelievable. It's a bridge. It's a bridge. Oh, okay. Dan does have grandkids of his own, but they're all grown and gone. And Nora does have grandparents. But her mom says this is a completely different kind of bond that almost defies explanation. She fell asleep holding a picture of them. I, what? <laughs> to Dan, it's equally miraculous, but far less mysterious. He believes Nora is, quite literally, an angel. She opened me to... I love that I didn't know existed. When your wife died, you felt like you didn't have any purpose anymore. Do you feel like you have a purpose now? Of course. Nora, watching her grow up, I know I made room in my heart for a lot more. Steve Hartman, On the Road, in Augusta, Georgia. Did you hear that last line? I know I've made room in my heart a lot more. That's, that's the question this morning. Are you willing to make room in your heart for a lot more? See, Jesus wants to be in your life. He wants a relationship with you. But he's not going to force his way into that. Maybe it's time today to come to the altar and to ask for Jesus to come into your life to have that relationship. Maybe it's time today to get rid of something that's old and find something that's new. 
Maybe today is a day to open your heart. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the reminder of just how powerful you are, how important you are in our lives, and Lord, how you want to be a part of our lives. Lord, I pray for those this morning who have no relationship with you, who have never asked you into their life, Lord, who have never been changed by the love that you have to offer. Not a restricting, handcuffed love, Lord, but a an wide open, encouraging love like Dan's love. I never knew I had my heart could be even bigger than it is, he says. Lord, I pray this morning that you would remind us that Jesus is what we need in our hearts. Lord, I pray for those who have gotten stuck in a rut, a rut of hopelessness, like the woman at the well, who thought nothing would ever change. Same old, same old, same old. And she missed what you had for her. Lord, I pray that you wouldn't allow us to be there. That you would push us, that you would stretch us and move us, Lord, to a new spot. That we would be encouraged and that we would grow spiritually. May this year, 2017, be a new year. One that, Lord, we will see as we look back in many years to come, a year of growth, a year of change, a difference that you make in each one of our lives. Lord, I pray that for each one of us. In your name we pray. Amen.